millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. So as you all know from listening to the end of the videos that I voice here on YouTube, I like to promote a bit of self-love and I encourage people to forgive themselves for mistakes they've made in the past. It is definitely okay to make mistakes. We're all human. Just make sure that you try to learn from them. Unfortunately, when it comes to the WWE though, they tend to repeat mistakes ad nauseum and never learn a single thing. (sighs) So let's take a look at them. As I'm Jules, this is WhatCulture.com and these are 10 times that WWE tried the same failure twice. Number 10. Doppelganger Warfare Now back in 1994, somebody thought it would be a good idea to try an Undertaker versus Undertaker match. Maybe it sounded good on paper. I mean, this is the kind of thing young kids lucky enough to have two Taker action figures might have actually booked on their own kitchen table. But in reality though, it completely sucked. SummerSlam 94 should have taught Vince McMahon that Doppelganger Warfare is less horror movie showdown and more horror show in general. But in 2006, he tried it again. There was a slight twist this time, admittedly, because fake Kane appeared as the character's old-school gimmick and new, boldy serial killer Kane didn't return to the mask. Still, it was just as bad as Taker vs. Faker. WWE failed to realize that fans didn't want twin sanity, they wanted fresh ideas. The Kane story arguably bombed harder than the original with Taker, and that is saying something. Number 9. A Schoolteacher Gimmick Now, the logic behind turning Shane Douglas into a hoity-toity professor called Dean was pretty simple. Douglas would get on everyone's nerves for reminding them of school when they were watching wrestling, and then he'd get nuclear heat without doing much other than playing the smug git who uses words like vivify on WWF telly. But years later, on WWE's version of ECW, Matt Stryker tried the same thing. But the bizarre moment here is that Douglas was a genuine legend in the original Land of Extreme. By 2006, Stryker was plundering Dean's old material and using it as part of his unwanted classroom segments. Now, Stryker was admittedly a teacher in real life, but neither of these characters had any success. So why in the name of buttoned-up polo shirts did the company think that this monstrosity was ripe for recycling? Things wouldn't have been any worse had they looked back to 1995 and decided that Mantor 2.0 should have become ECW's next heel menace. Number 8. The Kayfabe Son Now if you're a wrestler and somebody in creative pitches that you become authority figure A's illegitimate son, punch them in the balls and then write your own P45 and run away, because it is a recipe for disaster. If recent W 
WWE history is anything to go by. You'll either become a comedic afterthought or be accused of killing an icon's comeback. In 2007, WWE were ready to reveal that Mr. Kennedy was Vince McMahon's boy, but wellness policy violations got in the way and Hornswoggle got the nod instead. A decade later in 2017, promising ex-NXT man Jason Jordan was also suddenly revealed to be Kurt Angle's son, and it actually led to both men sinking in fan estimations, at least for a while. WWE should sit down and have a right good think about the next time that they try and plan some phony family reveals. It's rarely taken seriously and it had an adverse effect on everyone involved in the past two examples. So, let's not go here again, Vince. Please. Number 7. A giant who, let's face it, can't wrestle. The Undertaker could have been forgiven for punching McMahon in the plums and not just because he was booked against himself in 1994, because one year earlier, the WWF wheeled out Giant Gonzalez. In the world's worst onesie and forced Taker to try and work with somebody who didn't know how to sell at all. But Taker's nightmares were far from over when Gonzalez flopped and left the biz, because the WWE's inherent need to lumber him with giants who simply cannot wrestle has been there for all to see since the dawn of time. And so the great Carly marched onto screens in, you guessed it, 2006. Seriously, this video might as well be renamed as the 10 worst moment from WWE's 2006. Now, to be fair, the great Carly wasn't quite as bad as Gonzalez, but he was hardly somebody that Undertaker was going to have killer matches with. Worse still, the presentation was almost identical to how one giant had debuted at the 1993 Royal Rumble. So much for learning from past errors, right? Number 6. A Minis Division Now, wrestling has always had this crude fascination with what you term as a freak show elements, and that stretches right back to the medium's carny days and isn't WWE exclusive, but they are no stranger to promoting a circus-like feel. Now, this isn't always a negative. In fact, variety and showmanship are good things and should be encouraged, but the dreaded minis division definitely was an exception. In 1997, the WWF began promoting Mexican minis like El Torito, Tarantula, Mosaic, Nova, and the most famous of the lot, Max Mini. Now, here's where it gets strange. They never treated these wrestlers as real wrestlers, and instead the company presented them like children. And they'd go one step further than that idea in 2005 when launching the Juniors division. Ah, yes, that classic tactic to make SmackDown more appeasing to sponsors. <laughs> the old classic, laughing at little people. Brilliant. Everything from the way that the announcers giggled throughout the matches to the play school font use of the division made a mockery of these dudes. And that is not cool. Number five, a totally useless international bauble. So in the past, Vince McMahon has seen it fit to promote more than two international baubles that meant precisely nothing all to viewers worldwide, and even seemed to forget that they existed a few weeks after they were won. Braun Strowman's greatest Royal Rumble championship belt, the OC's Tag Team World Cup, and the Undertaker's 2-8 trophy were all utterly useless. And it'll irk some fans that only Shane McMahon's WWE World Cup trinket had any sort of constructive character use when the promotion returned to the United States. This phoned-in method of adding value to international shows didn't start when WWE struck a deal with Saudi Arabia either. Back in the mid to late 90s, the company also ran a tournament for the Kuwait Cup, and they were as thrilling and impactful on main TV as they sound. Number 4. Brand Invading Wildcards WWE's commentators made a big deal out of the fact that Fox had exploited the bold new brand-to-brand invitational rules when Charlotte Flair recently popped up on SmackDown. According to the guidelines, certain wrestlers can appear up to four times per year on rival brands. That sounds eerily like 2019's awful wildcard rule. The wildcards fail before and they will fail again, but they will only ever leave when WWE gets bored of them. There's no way that they'll stick to the four times per year format, just like they squished the previous shake-up attempt by changing how the wildcard trick worked. And this idea will also be forgotten about within months. It's baffling to see the creative team 
using pretend brand-to-brand invitational means something different to Wildcard as well. They really should have just come out and admitted that TV is really stale right now and explained away this haphazard booking style as beneficial to the shows during the current climate. Number three, a definitive brand split. Of course, conceding that things might not be a thriller minute isn't something that WWE feel comfortable doing. And that's fine, because there are always ways to make Raw and SmackDown feel like must-see, uniquely identifiable, and totally different weekly delights. For example, the brand extension slash split, which uh, hasn't worked uh, twice. Both brand splits started out so promisingly in 2002 and 2016. Vince McMahon seemed dead set on properly promoting each major show as competitive rating seekers that would drive each other on. Unfortunately, he got in his own way and cross-pollinated to the point that the entire premise lacked serious credibility within months. 2002's first go-around needed to teach McMahon what to do if he ever tried to divide his top shows again, but rather than learn what not to do, he bashed his head against the wall and repeated the same mistakes 14 years on, then decreed that fans didn't really want a definitive split anyway. Okay. Number two, the end of Mr. McMahon. I can't be on TV if I'm dead, pal. That line, one Vince reportedly told Bruce Pritchard many moons ago, is why he penned himself to be blown up in a fiery limousine explosion in 2007. To McMahon, it made sense that he'd go out in such an unambiguous blaze of glory, because then he'd never be able to return, because he was apparently sick of playing his Mr. McMahon character anyway. Around 12 months later, Vince was back on Raw shifting millions of dollars to fans in some overhyped giveaway that didn't draw the ratings that he thought it would. So, seeking the publicity such a stunt would surely draw, McMahon killed his on-screen persona off again by having a piece of the staging fall on top of him. Nobody bought it. The punishing law of diminishing returns was in effect, especially when Vince had survived the previous year's limo blast, which is one he couldn't use to disappear due to a very real Chris Benoit tragedy and was back on TV within six months. And number one, the XFL. So Vince McMahon has given so much to pro wrestling and it's a shame that owning one juggernaut just isn't enough for him. Rather than being content with the empire that he built in the mid-1980s, Vince wanted to expand to other avenues and prove himself as a promoter who can thrive in real-world sports. That's why he tried to push the XFL as the NFL alternative twice. 2001's defeat was a harsh and brutal lesson that sent Vince away to lick his wounds. The XFL lost millions and led to a thorough roasting in the mainstream press for those lining up to bash this wrestling guy for thinking that he could hack it in pro football. Stick to the fake stuff was very much the prevailing message from the anti-WWE revelers. By 2018, McMahon was back for another shot though. With the brand new XFL launched in 2020, things initially seemed hopeful. The first week delivered solid football and benefited from doing away from the WWE razzmatazz before, but sadly, because thanks to the big vid, it directly affected the XFL, and Vince's league filed for bankruptcy in mid-April. Ah, well, at least we'll have the memories, right? So what's next, Vince? Ico Pro 2K22? Yeah, let's get on it, mate. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.